Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn Matthews, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. Today, I'm really excited as we have an accomplished guest that's going to be speaking on discussions with an IT leader in a healthcare system. And I'm really excited um, for you guys to get to listen to our new guest. So please welcome David Snyder. He is the service owner of the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Systems IT program. So David, welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. How are you doing? Not too bad. Doing, doing very well, actually. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and how you got into healthcare IT? Sure. Uh, so I've, I've been in IT for about 25 years now, um, starting out, you know, I won't go through the whole litany of all the different things that I've done, but I was in the military right out of high school and did satellite communications, um, where I picked up some IT knowledge and then have been in ever since. I've only been with the medical center for about four years. I started out at the medical center as the disaster recovery architect for, um, for the Western Medical Center for the IT side and have moved into, um, I was a people leader for a couple of years for, uh, for a couple of different IT groups for the server uh, server team and the, the storage team and the uh, unified communications team. So now I've moved over into the um, service owner for disaster recovery, uh, operational resiliency and, and our IT operations center. So my focus is around the end-to-end program, if you will, for those, uh, those specific areas within the medical center. When I looked and saw that you worked for the Ohio State University's Wexner Medical System, the first thing I thought was, oh my God, how has it been in COVID? And what's that experience like? So can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, we, we've really adapted and overcame lots of obstacles as many other medical facilities around the country and around the world really have, have had to do. Uh, our focus has always been on the, the, the cutting edge and, and really the bleeding edge of technology and really pushing technology forward for our patients, uh, whether it be telehealth or uh, the, the cancer research that we do. I mean, we're, we're a, an industry leader within, uh, within the medical field. But what COVID did for us was it made us expedite things that we had already had in the pipeline, such as uh, telemedicine is, is a great example. We've always had a telemedicine platform and where we've maybe done a handful of uh, telemedicine visits throughout a, a work week. We went from you know, maybe 20 to hundreds per day in order to do that, I mean, that's, that's a huge ramp up of technology and support across our whole organization. And whether it be the process that the doctors have to follow to do the telemedicine, as well as on the IT side, supporting that and developing the processes, de- developing the technology, order, ordering in the equipment. I mean, it's really pushed, pushed us to deliver very quickly. And have you guys seen on the medical side, have you seen an influx of patients, especially those that may have more COVID cases too? Yeah, we, we have. We've, we've seen, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's, um, it's, it's pretty staggering as far as the amount of patients that we've seen in addition to our normal patient base. I mean, we're a large hospital. Uh, we have, you know, uh, 1,500, I think, beds uh, available, but there's always a percentage that are empty as any hospital would want to have. But we've seen, we have seen an uptick in patients. We're not at capacity. We've, we've done a lot of different things over the last seven, eight, nine months to make sure that we can stay ahead of whatever curve there is, whether it be convert 
floors from whatever it was before, some kind of specialized treatment to having available beds uh, for possible COVID patients. So we've done a lot of different surge planning for all these different um, scenarios that can happen around COVID. So you mentioned in your intro, um, as you shared a bit more about your background, that you helped to support IT operations. And for those of us who may not really understand, um, what, what does it look like for you to support hospital operations from an IT perspective? Well, it's, there's no end to it. And that's, that's a, uh, it's something within IT that we all we all understand. There's an understanding within IT that you're always on call, really regardless of what your role is. But when you're working for a medical center, the importance of that support and that ongoing operations is paramount. I mean, there's patients that come in through the door at any given hour through the emergency room. There's cancer treatments going on around the clock that we need to leave our services up and keep our services uh, as res- resilient as possible so that we can provide that level of care. I mean, these are, these are people. I've worked in the banking industry and in the insurance industry, petroleum, different, different areas. People aren't, aren't involved when something goes down in those industries. For us, if something doesn't work right, if, if a patient cannot get that cancer treatment or if our vent and vitals uh, platform is not working to where we're able to administer proper uh, ventilations and, and, and see the vitals of people, it really affects people. And that's, uh, it's a huge realization. It's one of the things that, that I really appreciate within the medical center now being here for four years is being able to make a difference for people's lives as opposed to just making somebody more money. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole different perspective. Yeah. So you can actually see the value and the impact that you guys bring to the table. That's amazing. And so to that end, what are you seeing that has changed for you and your team as you've been supporting hospital operations, especially with COVID-19 in 2020? I think a lot of it is around that telemedicine and also the ability. And, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk around the, the world really about working from home and doing things remotely we had to move 1,500 call center individuals that normally work in a call center within our medical center, we had to move them to be able to work from home. It wasn't efficient for them to pick up their desktop that's sitting there in their cubicle. So whether it be work with our vendors and deploy additional laptops, or for some scenarios, it made sense from an expediency perspective, pick up that desktop, go home, get out of the, out of the medical center, and, and uh, be able to do that. The platform is one thing. It's the technology that supports that person working from home, our VPNs, our our network capacity, uh, our throughput, all of that stuff had to be increased. In the past, that would be a project, uh, a very long project of, you know, we're going to have to invest millions here. We're going to have to uh, do an RFP and get all of these other other people involved. All of that stuff was expedited and we did things as as quick as possible so that we can get our, our workforce to be able to work from home and and be able to support our patients. So I think from a technology standpoint, being able to support that, and not only us, but any medical center around the, around the world, being able to do that remote care, uh, whether it be telemedicine or answering people's, uh, you know, having nurse lines available remotely, um, that's, that's huge. So on our prep call, you mentioned that the VPN is like the highway into work now. And I loved that analogy. It sounds like if people didn't know it before, now people understand, here's one more thing that David and team really do to help bring a lot of value so we can actually get access into what we need access to. 
Yeah, that's right. In the past, it was a it was a nice to have, right? You would work in your office and you would go home. And if you had some time, you would log into your uh, your email and different things through your VPN. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. It wasn't that big of a deal. And now we, we've escalated that to a higher tier within our organization as far as importance. And we've built out additional resiliency around it uh, so that we've gone from being able to support a thousand connections up to you know 20,000 connections. And it, it's it's just a huge ramp up within our technology platform. So along those same lines, what are you seeing that is emerging from a healthcare IT perspective? For a lot of years, there's been a lot of talk around cloud-based applications and cloud-based infrastructures. That's basically things off-premise. You know, you can you can invest in your own infrastructure within your organization and have your data centers with all of your servers and all of your network equipment. However, there's other there's other capabilities out there, and, and that's around cloud, and that's paying other organizations for their services. The acronym is um, it's, it's as a service, so it's either infrastructure as a service or you know whatever it is as a service. So really, there's a huge uptick right now in being able to grow things very quickly. I mean, whether it be you know we talked about VPN usage and different usage that's increased based on people working from home and just. Uh, operating your business differently. When you're dealing with a cloud-based type of service, that ramp up can be very quick. And you don't have to invest yourself as an organization into a lot of that infrastructure and hardware and unboxing things and finding room for it in your data center. If you're subscribed to a cloud-based service, that, that ramp up or ramp down if you need to can be done very quickly and efficiently. So more and more organizations are moving towards that platform and that infrastructure. Well, I imagine there's going to be a lot more advances from a technology standpoint. If we go back to December of 2019, none of us would have thought that the crisis would be, nothing's wrong with the building, but you just can't go inside. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, what's funny about that is I did a lot of disaster recovery planning and exercises. And one of the exercises that we did uh, earlier on was about, you know, there was a, a chemical spill in the area and you can't get back into the building. And people would approach that as like, well, that's not going to happen. And even if it did, you can probably get in somehow or you can get in in a couple of days. So no big deal. And now it's six, seven, eight, nine months later. You know, I've been in my office um, a handful of times and my, my virtual background is actually a picture of my office uh, back you know, at the medical center uh, to remind me even what it looks like, you know, because I, I just don't go there anymore. Uh, so it, it, it is a real life scenario that nobody would have pl- been able to plan for. So one more question for you, switching gears a little bit. So I did some digging on the Ohio State University's Wexner Medical Systems website, and I saw that there is an anti-racism initiative and several additional resources to include a 21-day anti-racism challenge. And so um, question for you, and especially with the stance that your organization has you know, put on this, how has your role adapted or aligned to this initiative? And I think it's important because oftentimes, I don't think people in business continuity or disaster recovery understand that, hey, I can own this too. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and it's it's good to have that focus. It's something that that gets doesn't get enough attention and play within any organization. We're fortunate over the last uh, I think she started a few months ago, maybe six months ago. Uh, Christina Johnson is a new president over the, the university, and she's really brought some things to light. If nothing else, she's heralded 
or, or brought uh, some, some media attention, at least internally to us, as to different things that we're doing within the organization to make a difference, whether it be racial diversity or, or you know, any kind of diversity really within our organization. We do have a, we have a task force, it's called Task Force on Racism and Racial Inequities within our organization that have certain key leaders within that task force. And they're driving all sorts of different initiatives. And part of it is, and you mentioned the, the 21 day challenge. I haven't done that challenge admittedly yet. Um, it's still on my list of, of things to do. It's, it's awesome. If you go to the website and look at it, there's a huge listing of all these different resources for, for anybody to take a part of. It really shines uh, a huge light on racism. And even if it is a perceived racism or or, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of underlying things that at least if we can be aware of, we can make a difference. I mean, we, we have um, one of our, our deans of uh, public health, Dr. Amy Fairchild, a couple months ago, met with uh, people around the country, and she did a uh, webinar called The Bruising of America When Black, White, and Blue Collide. There was a, a police chief from Virginia on that as well. And it was really, you know, talking about how we can all make a difference and, and just bringing to light. Uh, the things going on within our, our world. Thank you for that. So guys, what you don't know is um, before we even went live for this podcast, I had so many technology issues while I'm sitting on the phone with the technology leader. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could reach out and help you. <laughs> Open a ticket with your help desk. <laughs> you supported me and said that I was adaptive. And so what you'll probably hear is maybe the technology will drop. Maybe the internet goes out. Things are happening we're adjusting and we're adapting. So I want to say thank you to you, David, for um, being a guest on our podcast and sharing some more information. Can you share with our listeners where they might be able to find you if they want to reach out? Sure. I mean, you could find me on, on LinkedIn. Um, and then uh, I also do have another website that I'm, I'm linked to that I own. It's uh, called changesu, uh, changesu.com. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of change. And, uh, you know, I mentioned to you, it's great that you picked up, you know, whatever uh, problems you're having with IT, you know, you just move, moved on to something else, you know, let's try a different camera and do something else. So uh, changesu.com is, is a way that you can get a hold of me as well. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. Subscribe, share, download, and look out for future episodes.